Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. First Samuel chapter number 17, First Samuel chapter number 17, and um, what a wonderful uh, revival that we had uh, for the last five and a half, six weeks, whatever exactly it was, uh, just a wonderful series of services, and God moved in tremendous ways, and uh, I'm so thankful for one, grateful for the souls that God filled with the Holy Ghost and what he did in the heart of this church. But uh, I guess uh, grateful for uh, the renewed vision and passion that I saw in many of you. Could I give you a word of admonishment this morning and say that we don't need to let that dwindle down. It's our job and responsibility. Come on, the evangelist did his part, did his job, did it uh, well. Uh, I don't know that we could have asked for any better uh, evangelist to come and preach to us and help us. But, uh, you know, at this point, it's time for us to continue on. We don't want to slip back into the traces and the rut of the past. We don't want to let anything get bogged down. We want to just keep on. And I know that we're facing the holiday season. But you know what? What greater time for us to reflect upon the Lord get our attention focused upon him for this new year that is ahead of us and I'm believing God for great things and I don't want to at all allow any part of my relationship with God that I gain through this revival I don't want to let this fall or collapse over time I want to keep building on it I want to keep going forward with it can you say man praise God if you have your Bibles first Samuel 17 and uh, we'll begin reading with verse 2, and I know this is a very familiar passage. I feel it strong on my spirit this morning. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then 
Will we be your servants? But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy. And I want you to notice that particular phrasing there, that word defy. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David, now, David, verse 12, now, David. And I just want to end there, and we could read a lot more into this story, but most of us have either heard it read or read it ourselves perhaps many times. And I just want to talk about this morning facing your giants, facing your giants. You know, this particular giant, we see the stats that are given, I mean, all the way down to the clothing that he is wearing uh, is all very descriptive. It tells us how much it weighed. It tells us his height. It tells us because of the clothing and the apparel that he was wearing and how much it weighed that he must have been some more formidable individual and a great giant and man. And uh, this alone, just the stats that were given, just the description, just the booming voice of this giant in the valley was enough to make the armies of Israel, as he defied them, the Scripture says, to tremble in fear and not want to engage him in the fight. But the Bible says out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, comes this young shepherd boy by the name of David. We don't have a lot of stats as far as how big he was because it really was immaterial. He didn't have any, he didn't have any uh, comparison whatsoever to the giant. We don't have really any stats about the things that, as far as experiences and, and everything on the battlefield because he had never been a soldier. Now, he had his testimonies of what God had done for him, but as far as personal accomplishments in his flesh, he was somewhat limited. Amen. But the Bible says, now David. And it simply says in that one statement that he was willing to face something. He was willing to take something on. And so I want to preach to you about facing your giants. Would you lift up your hands and your voice to the Lord with me? And let's pray again for his touch. Let's pray again for his help. Hallelujah. God, we do need you. We need your strength, your anointing, your power to be with us in this place. I'm praying, God. I'm praying, Lord, that you would strengthen the saints of God, help every guest that is with us here this morning to receive something from the Word of the Lord. I pray this would all culminate into a tremendous altar service where we fervently seek you and call upon your name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody, once again, say that with me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's say it like we really mean it. In Jesus' name. Praise God. How many knows there is power in that name? Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated.
Preaching from such a familiar story in the Scripture is always challenging to the preacher, uh, in particularly us apostolics, because we tend to be a little bit more well-versed in the Word of God than maybe uh, your traditional denominal person. But people feel that they already understand the finer points of this story that I'm speaking from this morning and have a tendency, if they're not careful, to get out ahead of you and start guessing where you're going. And uh, that's easy to do with this particular text. However, I think it's uh, because of its familiarity, it's often that we overlook some valuable truths from this ancient story that God has given us in the Word of the Lord. And it's examples like this that bolster our faith, that strengthen our our hopes and our relationship with God and help us to realize that if God can do it for one of these people in the Word of the Lord, that He can also do it for us. And that's why these stories are given to us. They are a testimony of what God has done for somebody else, but because we know that He's not a respecter of persons, we know that He's able also to do it in our lives. And so as I rehearse some of the things of this story, I want you to put yourself in David's place. I want you to put yourself in his shoes because though we're not fighting a visible giant like Goliath, we're not fighting a flesh and blood giant like Goliath. Every one of us, if we, if we took an assessment of our lives, we can identify in some way with David because we all have faced or are facing or will face giants in our lives. Can somebody say praise the Lord? First thing that I want you to understand about this story is that God can work for anyone. David until this time was basically unknown. He was overseeing his father's flock. He was uh, in a place of obscurity out in a wilderness and the flock itself was not even a large flock but it was a small flock that he was overseeing. And uh, least of his brethren, the youngest of all of them, and I suppose when it came to military prowess and abilities and talent, he was one that was always overlooked. I imagine if you was picking teams for some type of sporting uh, thing that was taking place, that you would not choose David because he did not have the stature that his brothers had. He did not have the abilities. He did not have the physical makeup, perhaps, that his brothers did. But nevertheless, he had a desire. He had a passion about the things that he was assigned to do. And one thing that we do know about David is that he had a hunger to be what God desired him to be. He had a passion for the things of God. And it doesn't matter whether or not anybody else sees you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter whether or not you come from the rank and file of those that have the testimony of doing great things for God or you have come from across the tracks somewhere and nobody knows your name. But if God is for you and if you have a desire to please the Lord and you have a hunger to do something for God, God takes notice of you and God will bless you and God will work in your life. 
I just want to remind you of something here this morning and that that is that God can use and God can work in anyone's behalf that will allow him to. Anybody that has a desire can be used of God. God is going to answer the prayers of those that fervently pray them. God is going to work in the life of that person that is hungry for him to work for them. God is going to do great things through the person that says, God, I have faith. I may not have talent. I may not have ability. But there's one thing I'm not low on. I am not low on faith and believe that you're able to help me and that you can work in my life and that you could do great things through me. I remember reading a story some time ago about a, about a uh, young baseball player that went to a small school and, and he had a talent for playing baseball and there was some scouts that were coming around and he had kind of caught the glimpse of some of them and they were uh, looking at his abilities and perhaps going to offer him a scholarship to a school. But he was concerned about how small the little school that he was going to and the competition that they played against, how that that would hinder him and his desire to go on and have a career in baseball. And he was voicing this to one of the scouts and told him of his fears. And he said, son, as he patted him on the shoulder, you have nothing to worry about. He said, if you can play, we will find you. If you can play, we will find you. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your last name is. If you've got a desire to be used of God, in other words, if you can play, God will find you. If you've got a desire to be used of the Lord, you will be found. You will be discovered. If you have a desire to be anointed of God, God is not stingy with it, but God is going to use you. God is going to work in your behalf and in your life. I want you to understand from the outset here this morning that God wants to work for you just like he does everybody else. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to give you a miracle. He wants to use you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to triumph. He wants you to succeed spiritually. I want to convince somebody here this morning that God is on your side and God wants to work even greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Praise God. Somebody needs to be convinced of that. Somebody needs a renewed confidence in the faith that God has in you and your ability to conquer, your ability to rise above, your ability to come out. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to struggle forever. You don't have to live in defeat. But you can rise above it all in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. That's right. But you've got to understand something, and that is how long that these people, the Israelites, had fought against the Philistines. Even these giants. I mean, you hear such city names as Gaza and Gath and Ashdod. I mean, these, this is the breeding grounds for, for giants. This is where they come from. This is kind of like uh, sequoias are to Yosemite. I mean, this is where they grow. 
And when you find out and hear the name, I'm from Gath, or I'm from Ashdod, or I am from Gad, then it would cause it would cause you to, to feel like that that perhaps that person is a giant and a foe and an enemy to you because you fought these type of people all of your existence. When Israel army saw Goliath, no doubt there was some of them that said, not again. It, it, it can't be so that we're going out to fight this same enemy, this same foe, the Philistines, but not only the Philistines, the giants that are among the Philistines because their territory took in these cities of Gath and Gaza and Ashdod. Uh, then these giants, which was to their advantage, was on their team. And no doubt uh, when they saw Goliath, they said, you know what? My father fought his father and my grandfather fought his granddad. And here we go again. This is a generational thing. And uh, it keeps coming back up. And you know when things uh, never cease to return and, and arise again and we're continually struggling and fighting with the same things. If we're not careful as a person, as an individual, we'll, we'll be left with the feeling that some things are never going to change in our life. Some things are never going to be different. And if we're not extremely cautious, we'll, we'll begin to accept those things as the norm. We'll begin to uh, just accept this as the way that it'll always be and learn how to live with it. I'm going to tell you as a saint of God, there's some things that you've got to refuse to live with. You, you've got to never learn to just get by with. Don't, don't just become a survivalist when it comes to some things that Satan tries to push off on you about your life and the limitations that are upon your life. There's some things that if we're not careful, if we're not extremely cautious, that we'll feel like, well, I just have to learn to accept that this will never change. This is the way that it's always going to be. Amen. I may have a little reprieve from it, but it won't be long until it'll come up again. I fought giants. My daddy fought giants. My grandfather fought giants. Who am I to think that I'm not going to have giants the rest of my life to fight? Who am I to think that I'm not going to pass this thing down to my children? Amen. Because it's in my family. Amen. Then I have got to be a, a drug addict or I've got to be an alcoholic or I've got to struggle with these same emotions and I've got to deal with this same depression and I'm going to always have this same kind of mentality. My parents got divorced so who am I to think that my marriage will stay together? Amen. I have had to deal with anger and jealousy and envy and strife in my family. Oh, so who am I to think that it's going to be any different uh, with my own personal immediate family that I have when I am married? I'm telling you that's a lie from the pit of hell. My Bible talks about being born again. It talks about being a new creature. We don't carry past relationships. We don't carry uh, the, the curses of previous generations uh, into our relationship with God. But everything is new. We get to start all over again. Amen. Just because mama was an immoral person does not mean that you have to be an immoral person. Just because your daddy was a crook, it does not matter that, that it does not mean that you have to be a crook. 
just because they struggled with things. It does not mean that you have to struggle with things. You can be more than a conqueror. You can overcome those issues in your life. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Giants that have loomed and cast a shadow over your family for years. You can conquer them. You can take them down. God can give you victory over there. I wish somebody would hear me here this morning because I feel like there's a lot of people that struggle with these things in their mind because of the role model or... Uh, the person that was an example in their life because they struggled with those things. Then they're tempted to believe that they'll always have to struggle themselves with those issues. That's just not the way it is in God. That's not the way it is once the blood is applied. That's not the way it is once you receive this wonderful gift and power of the Holy Ghost. I believe the Holy Ghost is powerful enough to break every chain. I believe the Holy Ghost is powerful. Come on, not just some change. But total change can take place. Not just some issues being taken care of, but all issues being taken care of. I don't believe you just get to walk out of some, amen, things in your life and you always have to drag the rest of it along like baggage the rest of your life. No, I believe God is able to give you victory to overcome. God is able to give you hope for a new life. Come on, let's give praise to him. Let's give thanks to him. Let's worship him. Somebody get intense about it here this morning. But I noticed something special, something different about this man, David. Now, David, he was more God-focused than he was giant-focused. I mean, you read this story, it's easy to detect right off the bat that everybody in the armies of Israel until David showed up was very much giant-focused. I mean, they knew right on down to how much a spear weighed, how much a coat of mail weighed. I don't know how they got all that information, but they knew it. They had it memorized. It was in the back of their mind when they would go out. And, uh, in fact, it struck fear in their heart and intimidated them greatly. But David never even called this man, Goliath, a giant in the first place. Someone comes to him saying, David, before you go to spewing off at the mouth a whole lot, have you even seen this giant and what he looks like? And do you know the stats about him and all that David can say? But have you seen my God? And how powerful my God is. And how great my God is. Let me tell you what my God is able to do. No one else is discussing God. But David is discussing no one else but God. Amen. That's where his attention is fixed. That's where his focus is. That's what his faith is in, is in God. I'm going to tell you, if you sit around and talk about your problems long enough, they'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger to you. But the scripture admonishes us to do something else. It said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name for together. Amen. When we come together and we worship the Lord, it diminishes our problems and it raises God up in our minds and in our hearts to become what he really already is. That he is a miracle worker. That he is a healer. 
Come on, you can sit around and talk about the doctor's diagnosis. Uh, you can sit around and talk about the problem in the situation. You can talk about the challenges of your life and all your limitations. And you can sit around the dentator table and talk about everything that's going on and everything that's bad. And you can talk about all the things that are against you until you become overwhelmed and a spirit of defeat will settle on you and it'll cause your mind to become darkened with doubt that you'll never believe God for what he's able to do in your life or you can make up your mind I may have a problem but I'm still going to praise him I'm still going to worship him I'm still going to magnify him I may have trouble but I'm still a worshiper I'm still a God exalter I come to the house of God to give praise to his name I come to lift him up matter of fact somebody right now ought to leap for joy somebody in this house right now ought to praise the Lord somebody in this house right now ought to lift up your voice and magnify Jesus a little bit yeah it's about time we become more God-focused than giant-focused. That's right. If we're going to have victory, we're not going to get victory by talking about all the things that are bad and all the things that are not going so well and all the things that oppose us. But we've got to talk about how great God is. He said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I noted this as I read through this story again. The God, and I want you to note this, of the armies. Notice the pluralness of that noun, armies. Of the armies of Israel, 1745. Armies of Israel. Now, a common observer of this story, I mean, just by looking at it, you can see that really there's only one visible army. But David is saying armies, armies of the living God. That's who you're opposing. You know what David was taking into account? He was taking into account that heavenly host that was on his side. He was taking into account all of those platoons of angels. He was taking into account the infantries of God's army with weapons that were not carnal, amen, but were mighty, amen, that were powerful and that were able to pull down whatever stronghold that stood against him. That's what David was taking into account. I will tell you, when you walk out on the battlefield, child of God, you're not going by your Self. Amen. I would to God somebody could be like the servant of Elisha and their eyes be open and they could see that there's more that be for us than they that be against us. If we're on the team with God, God and all of his host is fighting for us and with us till we can receive the victory that we need to receive. Amen. That's right. How is it sometimes we can, we can allow ourselves to get down in the mouth? How is it sometimes, amen, that we can allow ourselves to talk about all and magnify all the situations and the problems that are before us? David simply believed if God could pelt the enemy of Moses with hailstones, if he could collapse the walls of Jericho for Joshua, if he could stir up thunder in the sky for Samuel, and if he could confuse an army of the Midianites that was numbered with the sands of the sea for Gideon, then surely he could give him the victory over this uncircumcised 
circumcised Philistine that defied the armies of the living God. You see, David understood something. You're not just defying me, but because I'm a child of God, because of who I am in God, you're defying my God when you come out against me. Oh, did you get that? Do you understand the power of that? We need a revelation and understanding of that in this house here tonight or this morning. We need to understand that we, when we step out on the battlefield, if we've got God on our side, if we're a child of God, if we've been blood-bought, if we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're not going out there just in our own strength. And we know that God, amen, is tied to us by his word we understand that God has given us a promise so when the enemy defies you when he attacks you when he comes against you he's not coming against your flesh and blood per se he's coming against your God he's coming against the one to whom you belong to I'm a child of God I took on his name so when you defy me tell you there's some there's some defiant spirits that are in our world today that's right I'm gonna tell you a defiant a defiant just in definition spirit is something that persists and something that doesn't easily give up if you think just because we had five six weeks of good revival around here that the devil's going to fold up and go home and say you know what I put up the white flag on Texarkana I'm not coming back no you got another thought coming that's not how it works it's a defiant spirit it keeps coming back just like it did in Israel defying and mocking and saying I'm never far away but for that one is there a David in this house that said this spirit may try to defy me this spirit may try to come against me this spirit may try to take me out this spirit may try to discourage me this spirit may try to bring a spirit of defeat upon me but one thing's for certain I am a child of God and I refuse to be defeated I refuse to live in that state I refuse to stay down I'm going to get back up I'm going to go back to the battlefield no matter how much you defy me I'm going to keep on persisting you see here's our problem right here when that spirit comes and settles back here we settle back down to learning to live with the limitations that, that we've always lived somebody needs to get defiant with that defiant spirit and say I'm going to stand up bow my shoulders I've made up my mind I refuse to go back I refuse to allow it to wreak havoc in my life again I refuse the gains that I made in this revival I refuse to go back to norm I refuse to settle for the status quo. I refuse to give up any ground that I've gained. I refuse to give up areas of my prayer life and commitments that I made to God in this revival. My faith, I refuse to let it be released into the hands of the devil. I'm standing up in defiance against that defying spirit of the devil that tries to come against me. I think we ought to take a moment right now and lift up our voices to him. Hallelujah.
I feel like just working that thing over just for a little bit. Because that's, that's what I have seen. The evangelist kind of referred to it on Wednesday night, that cycle, that going back, that settling back in, being puffed up and then being deflated, getting to a certain point and then backing off of it, gaining certain victories, and then giving up those gains to the devil in time. And oh, it doesn't happen overnight. But as weeks turn into months, you'll find yourself praying at the same level, having the same faith that you did before revival began. You'll find yourself at the same status quo spiritually that you were before we started, or perhaps even worse, because that's the enemy. That's how he works. It's a defying spirit that's not going to go away just because you wish it to go away. It's not just going to pack up and go home just because we had a few good nights of service. But you've got to be persistent. You've got to be defiant. You've got to have your mind made up. I just wonder if there's some people in this house that have their mind made up. I refuse to settle for anything less than the entirety of what God has promised me and what God has began I want to see him finish what God has started in my life I want to see through to fruition I don't want to stop halfway I'm not interested in taking a break I'm not interested in backing off I'm going to hold all the ground that I've got I'm going to defend everything that God has given to me but also I'm going forward I'm going forward I'm going forward I'm not staying here but I'm pushing ahead I'm not staying here but I'm going to gain some more ground I'm not staying here but I got faith for some greater promises there's bigger things that I have in my sights that I believe that God is wanting to do through my life come on it comes through us being God focused and not problem focused because problems are a part of being human. Problems are a part of any living organism. And a church is a living organism. And there's going to be issues. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be problems that are going to arise in your life or in our lives as a collective whole. It's going to happen. Amen. We, not, we ought not be surprised when, when there's things that, that come against us, when there's the attack of the enemy on one of our brothers and sisters. But instead of becoming focused on them and their uh, deficiencies and, and pointing out their handicaps and, and making light of their problem or their struggle with the enemy, wouldn't it be so much better if we would focus on what God is able to do and the victory that God is able to bring and keep our attention focused upon Him? You see, when you got your attention focused on Him, you can't look around so much and point out the problems of somebody else. When you got your attention focused on him, you're, you're not quite so judgmental of everybody else because you understand if it were not for the grace of God, I might find myself in that position. I might find myself in that place. If it were not for the mercies of Almighty God and his blood, I'd still be out there. I'd still be searching. 
I'd still be blindly groping for, for help. Amen. But God, thankful that God saved me. I'm thankful that God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that He's given me grace to stand for Him. I'm going to keep on giving Him the glory. I'm going to keep on giving Him the praise. My God is greater than any problem. My God is greater than any issue that arises. My God is greater than anything that might come up or any new attack that the devil might bring against us. I know that my God is greater than it all. So defying spirit, I want to put you on notice. There's some folks in this house that do understand. We are determined. We are going to be persistent. We're going to faithfully keep going back to the prayer room. We're going to faithfully keep coming down to the house of worship and lifting up the name of Jesus. When it's time to sing, we're going to sing with all of our might. When it's time to pray, we're going to pray fervently. When it's time for worship service, we're not going to sit on our hands, but we're going to be worshiping and praisers of God. Come on, why don't we get some practice right now? Why don't somebody lift up the name of Jesus right now? Woo! I feel something building here this morning. David faced his giants. The scripture actually says he ran towards the giant. You read it. Ran down into the valley where the giant was. As, how long has it been since you have ran towards your giants instead of away from them? I'm going to tell you, you're never going to get victory until you're willing to face it. What is the little saying? Admit it. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. That's the way you get victory. You don't get victory by camouflaging it, hiding it, running from it. You don't get victory over things in your life and giants in your life by acting like they don't exist. I guess Israel thought if we'll just stay in this tent long enough and we don't come out and engage the enemy, they'll eventually go away. It'll eventually be as though it never happened. Uh, we'll, we'll just stay out of the valley and we'll, we'll stay up here and, in our tent and we'll just act like we're having uh, a battle, but really all we're having is a camp out. And we'll just pretend like that giant doesn't exist, but every day on cue on the same time he walked down in the valley issued a fresh new challenge how, how long am I going to have to wait for one of you guys to come down here and face me when, when are you ever going to take me on and I feel like there's some spirits that have taunted people in this place over and over and over again and you, you've learned how to kind of have a, a, a little portion of a blessing and revival and, and a feeling feeling of victory and to feel better about yourself but you you never really taken the giant out you you never really got your foot on top of it you you never really you never really took it all the way you never got complete victory you never fully overcame that situation in your life and I tell you that's not the will of God 
It's the will of God that you do overcome it completely and move on. Not that there will not be more giants because you read this story, you'll find out that he had some brothers that also crept up against Israel. But because David was willing to face his giant, his men that were under him had the courage to face their giant when the time came. Can I just talk to you mamas and daddies here this morning and tell you that your children will never have the courage to face their giant if you're not willing to face yours. If you're not willing to face your issues, if you're not willing to face your struggles, if you're not willing to stare down your enemy, don't expect them to. Amen. But what's going to give them the courage and the faith to withstand and to stand up when the time comes to their giant is by seeing you. Amen. I'm not going to let this get me down. When you're in a trial, it doesn't knock you out. It doesn't cause you to become unfaithful. You don't hit and miss. Amen. But you're consistent. You know what this church need more than anything else? It's some consistent saints of God. That's right. I watch some of you, you go up and down like a, a bad EKG. It, it seems like it's just boom, 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 boom. I'm going to tell you, God doesn't get any glory out of that. We need somebody that can stay up here, that can stay victorious, that can stay in a conquering attitude, that can stay on top of it, that can keep on moving ahead, that can keep on having revival, that can sustain a victory, that doesn't lose out in a few weeks, that doesn't go by the wayside after a few days, that doesn't lose heart after a little while that's right amen I watch some people act like they're about to explode when we get an evangelist in here that oh man that just rocked my world and I mean oh man and they're swinging from the chandeliers and they got their bottom lip dragging their shoelaces a week after he's gone God doesn't get any glory out of that and people that observe you think that's ridiculous. People that observe you, they wonder about you. They wonder about how real it was. Amen. People that watch you on your job, they think, well, why would I want something like that? I mean, alcohol can do that. Drugs can do that. It can put you up and bring you right back down. Hello? Amen. All those things. All the world has to offer can do those things. Hey, I'm looking for something that can keep me up. I'm looking for something that can keep me victorious. I'm looking for something I have to be let down. Amen. After just a little while. I don't have to go back and, and yo-yo around in my... Oh, no. I believe that God wants to give us victory that is sustained. God wants to give us victory that lasts. I'm not getting near about as many amens now, but I'm telling you, if I've ever preached the truth, I'm preaching it to you right now, Landmark. You need to get a hold of a prayer life, and 30 days from now, you need to be praying more fervently than when you got a hold of it. You need to get a hold of some worship, and your worship doesn't need to yo-yo around, amen, from times that you feel good and emotional high after emotional high, but you need to stay up in Jesus. Jesus is good all the time. Amen, this power lasts. Amen, this thing can go on and go far. Yes, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Because when that defying spirit comes back around, are you still going to be faithful? And I, you, 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 I, I hate to tell it, but you're not always going to have the goosebump machine. You're not going to have all the, the hype to get, get you fervent, get you back in. You're not going to have a cheerleader standing beside you. Come on now. Hallelujah. You're going to have to have some 
commitment that you you got to hold up down deep in your heart. You're going to have to have some inner drive about you. Come on, you're going to have to have something like Joseph had that said, you know, opportunities may come along, but he said, I'm not going to go and sin against my master. I've got too much integrity to do that. I may have opportunity to put myself ahead personally in the meantime, but my integrity and my character means more to me than just whatever appetite I can appease at the moment. Can I preach to you that's the kind of consistency that we need in a child of God right here in this church is the kind that says it doesn't matter what temptation the devil throws at me. I'm still going to be here. I'm going to be faithful to it. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to keep going ahead in Jesus. That's right. Amen. Praise God. He said I'm willing to face this thing. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of hiding. I, I'm tired of acting as though it does not exist. And and I, I, I'm going to face this thing. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this thing in the eyes. And so the scripture says that he went down in that valley. And of course the mocking, the sneers, the jeering, it increased. There's a lesson to be learned from that. I mean, I mean, just about as low a blows as you could throw at an Israelite, this Philistine did to David. Who are you? Am I a dog? You send a child out here with a stick? Hey Amen. Am I a dog that you would send this little guy out here that has no experience? And he mocked and he made fun. I'm going to tell you. When the devil's speaking the loudest in your ears is when you're closest to victory. I said when the enemy is speaking the loudest, it's because he's afraid that you're actually you're actually going to stand your ground, that you actually are not going to succumb to his intimidation, that you actually do believe what the Word of God says, and, and that you do actually understand and have a revelation of how God is able to give us victory, amen, and able to help us to overcome, and he doesn't understand how that, that his, his mocking and his intimidation is not working against Against you like it has in times past. Why? Because you decided somewhere, I'm going to face this thing. I'm going to stand up to this thing. I'm not going to let this thing shut me around spiritually anymore. Hallelujah. Come on, how long are you going to let past defeat shove you around? How long are you going to let condemnation of the devil? Convictions from God, condemnation is of the devil. And the Bible said, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation. Amen. How long are you going to let that shove you in a corner and keep you back from being all God wants you to be? How long are you going to allow voices of the past to keep mocking you and intimidating you and tantalizing you and telling you that you cannot when all you got to do is make up your mind, I'm going to face that thing. And I'm not standing here alone. You remember, I got the armies. 
You're not just defying me. I got the armies of the living God on my side. I got angels going to guide this stone. Amen. I got a God that's working for me. I got a God that is on my side. You got to understand what all you're up against, devil. You're trying to tell me about all your stats and how many victories you won and how many times you've intimidated me and how long it's been that we fought this same battle. But I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a record. I'm going to give you God's record. God has never, he's never lost a battle. He's never once been defeated. Amen. As a matter of fact, he has the power. He has all power in heaven and in earth. Amen. And the Bible tells me that if I can believe him, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. It doesn't matter how large this giant is. It doesn't matter how big this problem is. Nothing is impossible if I face it in faith. Confidence in God. Why don't you stand to your feet right now and lift up your hands to him and let's praise him together. Bible said that when that stone found its place in the forehead of the giant and he was knocked unconscious I'm sure there was hands that went up high fives that was given on the mountain top on the Israeli side of the battle when they were looking down they said he did it but David never lost his focus He never broke concentration. The Bible said he ran to where the giant was. He unsheathed the sword. The scripture says he finished the job. He lobbed off his head. I know I've used it before, but many of you in this revival, you've knocked some things down. Be careful that you finish the job. Be careful that you don't let it get back up. Don't Be careful that it's not just a temporary reprieve, but that you completely get the victory. Make sure you walk out of that valley with the giant's head tucked up underneath your arm. Make sure you finish the job. And how do you do that? Is by continually going back. Because the only time that David didn't defeat his enemies is when he didn't go to battle. When he assumed that I've conquered, I've got victory every time I've ever went. I don't have to go. I don't have to fight. I can just send them out. And when kings went to battle, the Bible said he stayed home and he lost that battle. Can I tell you, you will always, always be victorious in God as long as you make up your mind when there's an opportunity, when there's an opportunity for me to pray, I'm going to be down there. I'm going to be praying fervently. If there's not somebody to pray for, I'm going to pray myself through the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, not one altar service at Landmark Pentecostal Church should be dry. It shouldn't be lacking in fervence. There shouldn't be just a, a, a fizzling out. But when we come down here, we ought to be praying fervently. We ought to be raising our voices to God. We ought to be crying out to Him. Why? Because we're showing. We're suiting up for the battle. I'm going back to the battlefield. There's a defying spirit that's looking for a door of entrance. It's looking for a way back in. And I made up my mind I'm not going to allow it to enter back into my life 
or for that matter this church uh, the door is closed devil and how do we keep that spirit uh, in abeyance I'll tell you how is by coming down and suiting up for battle spiritually and saying if it's time to worship I'll be the worshiper if it's time to pray you don't have to look anywhere else I'll pray and I'll not just pray my common little just going through the motions prayer but I'll pray fervently I'll pray effectually I'll do whatever I have to do to get victory but I'm not going to be denied I'm going to pursue the things of God if there's somebody here this morning the temptation would be I've dealt with this and dealt with this and dealt with this the devil's tried to talk you out of coming down to the altar again tried to tell you there's no use that defying spirit keeps coming back trying to convince you that there is no hope but I'm telling you amen when that giant is speaking the loudest, he's the closest to being overcame. He's the closest to your being able to vanquish him and have victory over him. So you need to come right now. You need to respond right now. You need to make your way right now. You need to say, devil, I am once again coming down to face you head on. I am once again coming down to the altar to let you know I'm suiting up for battle once again. I am not going to just go home and accept whatever happened over the last few weeks as the end of it. But I am going to come yet one more time and get a little bit more victory and receive a little bit more from God and get a hold of God yet another time and receive His touch and His blessing in my life once again is a somebody that is hungry. Come on, what did I talk about being fervent? What did I talk about being passionate about it? Amen. When we lift up our voice, is there somebody that will suit up for battle? Is there somebody that will raise your voice and pray? Is there somebody that's desperate enough to overcome that defying spirit of hell? That Come on, don't come and hang your head. Don't come and just mumble your prayer. But let your voice be heard. Let your voice, come on men, pray like men pray. Amen. Come on, ladies in Zion, let's pray with fervency. Let's call on the name of the Lord. Let's don't give him a sleepy Sunday morning prayer. But let's come like we mean it. Let's come with fervency. Let's come come with faith. Let's come with a sense of urgency in our heart. Let's come crying out to God. Let's come hungry for Him. Is there somebody that will pray? Is there somebody that will reach out? Is there somebody that will call on Him? Come on, sister, shake yourself. Amen. Make up your mind. I'm not going to settle back into the traces of what I used to be. Come on, brother. Amen. Be, be stirred in your spirit. Let something well up inside that says, God, I need more of you. I know I've got a lot. Amen. Over the last few weeks, I've gained a lot of ground. But, God, I need more. I need more. I can't go back. I can't return. Amen. I've got to become better for him. I've got to become more for him. I need more of God's spirit. I need more of God's spirit.